It's the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. Did you hear about this? Project Veritas, for some reason, has put James O'Keefe on paid leave. Now, why would they do that? Project Veritas just got so much notoriety and support for exposing the tentacles of Pfizer. And this is going to be the problem because Project Veritas's board of directors includes a former senior executive from Goldman Sachs. So you can only imagine the amount of influence and pressure this individual is getting from his contacts and uh, I would assume his financial advisors for exposing Big Pharma like the way Project Veritas actually did. So I don't think James O'Keefe is going to stay with Project Veritas for very much longer because they're just going to push him out. I mean, they can't stand to have this kind of notoriety attributed to them for exposing one of the pillars of industry within the United States, Pfizer and Albert Borla and Moderna and on and on and on. How dare they stick up for the little guy? So there was that. And then, of course, if you were paying attention, Twitter, former Twitter execs, they were out there in front of Congress saying all kinds of stupid things. And it was exactly what we thought it would be. Um, and overall, whenever you see these dog and pony shows where these people get in front of Congress, don't expect anything to actually come from those hearings. It's really just for visibility. And hopefully something will happen, but don't don't pin your retirement on it. Uh, so it was fun to watch, but that's where it ends. But the most important thing that happened today came out. From Seymour Hirsch. Seymour Hirsch, uh, he exposed events like My Lai uh, in Vietnam, which was a war crime, uh, excuse me, it was a war crime that was committed by the United States, where uh, it was essentially ordered to massacre a whole Vietnamese village. And uh, Mr. Hirsch was the one that exposed exploited that and uh, actually got it out there in front of everybody. But he also talked about Abu Ghraib and the sins thereof. And now he is saying what we all knew, if you listen to me, Nord Stream sabotage was CIA U.S. Navy covert op. Seymour Hirsch bombshell prompts White House response. That's at least from Zero Hedge. And if you go to uh, Seymour Hirsch's article, on Substack, how America took out the Nord Stream pipeline. Now, Nord Stream was essentially two sets of pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, and they were supplying Europe, mainly through Germany, very, very cheap fuel, very, very cheap energy and gas. And so when Nord Stream 2 was about to come online, that's it. The United States and NATO couldn't bear to think that Germany would subsequently gain independence from the yoke of the UK and the US. I spoke about that in a podcast when I think it was, uh, what, what was it, Rand? Rand, that um, the uh, War Department's think tank basically came up with a whole strategy on how to make sure Germany was kept dependent upon the United States through U.S. supplied energy. They didn't want uh, a Russia-German conglomerate, at least uh, economically or militarily. Uh, the, the, the West has always been petrified of that kind of alliance, uh, an alliance between Germany and Russia, which is why you had fascism and communism 
take root during the 1930s and 40s. They wanted to make sure that there were two scorpions in a bottle fighting one another rather than having a German-Russian axis to take out people like the Rothschilds in England and France. So same old story. Nothing is new under the sun. They did it with the Franco-Prussian War. They did it in World War One. They did it in World War Two, And it's been going on ever since. So Seymour Hirsch decides to reveal what we have exactly known all along. He says there was a vital bureaucratic reason for relying on a specific group within the Navy. That's called the U.S. Navy's Diving and Salvage Center, or Diving and Salvage Group. And that was in Panama City in the panhandle of Florida. The divers were Navy only and not members of America's Special Operations Command, whose covert operations must be reported to Congress and briefed in advance to the Senate and House leadership. So that's very important. So what did they do? They tried to circumvent any accountability and any visibility. The Biden admin was doing everything possible to avoid leaks, and the planning took place as late as two, or as early as 2021, in late 21, and in the first months of 22. Now, what's important about all of that? The invasion into—I shouldn't even say invasion, because if you look at the forces that are in the Ukraine on the Russian side, it's basically contractors. It's as if Russia sent in Blackwater and militia units from the regions that want to be part of Russia to go in there and take out the Ukrainian Nazis. So the Russian military is not really in there in the way that the West likes to portray it. It's really a bunch of contractors supported by Russian air units and more than likely special forces and artillery units, not necessarily the Russian army per se. Now, that doesn't mean that they're in there, uh, that they're not in there, but... The fact remains, it's essentially as if Blackwater had invaded. Anyway, it was before that evasion e- invasion even occurred that people and degenerates like Jake Sullivan, Tony Blinken, and Victoria Newland, Fat Pig, were already planning a way to stop Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. By the way, those three individuals all have something in common, and uh, that may be for another podcast, but you can do your own research. And all three of them have been vocal and consistent in their hostility towards those two pipelines. The direct route, which bypassed any need to transit Ukraine, had been a boon for Germany, like I had said before, because Germany was able to get cheap gas. And that's exactly what the Germans wanted. NATO didn't like it. The United States didn't like it. This thing was due to be completed in September of 21. And if approved by German regulators, this Nord Stream 2 would double the amount of cheap gas that would go into Germany and Western Europe. So you can't have something like that when you've got the United States and NATO and the UK looming over you like some ghoul in a crypt because they want to make sure that a German-Russian alliance never occurs. And they're going to use everything in their power to make sure there is as much discord as possible between those two countries. I mean, think about it. World War I, they used Sarajevo, right? World War II, they used Poland. I, I mean, 
it wasn't an accident that Germany invaded Poland. Poland, I hate to tell you, was a stooge. They were there as a way to start a war. The UK and England promised them the sun and the moon and the stars. But what happened? The UK backstabbed the Poles in the beginning of World War II and let Russia and Germany invade and divide up the spoils. So once again, it's the same playbook. In December of 21, two months before the first Russian tanks rolled into the Ukraine, uh, I'm not sure about that statement, Mr. Hirsch, Jake Sullivan convened a meeting of new of a newly formed task force. Shh. Men and women from the Joint Chiefs of Staff, CIA, State, and Treasury Department, and they were making recommendations about how to respond to Putin's impending invasion. Now, this is important to know because what that means is that these people had their eyes on destroying Nord Stream 2 and Nord Stream 1 no matter what was going to happen because an invasion didn't occur. So when you hear these kinds of stories, know that they were planned for months and months in advance. These kinds of major events across the planet don't just randomly pop up. They're planned. They are intricate. And a lot of individuals that coordinate through backdoor channels or fraternal organizations, they're the ones doing this. They're the ones planning this. And when you finally see it in the news, it's already over to them. They've been there. They've done that. They knew about it sometimes years or decades in advance. And so Hirsch continues throughout all of this scheming. According to his source, some working guys in the CIA and State Department were saying, don't do this. It's stupid. Forget about it. But guess what happened? The CIA, as usual, told Mr. Sullivan's group, we've got a way to blow up the pipelines. Well, thank goodness for that, because we wouldn't dare. We wouldn't dare disobey what Biden wants. Now, here's something that you have to realize uh, about the CIA and how it works. The CIA is not beholden to the Constitution. It is extra-constitutional, right? It's technically not supposed to work within the boundaries of the United States, but we all know it does. Hello, JFK. We all know that these people do not know any limitations, and that's the way the group was intended to work, thanks to, thanks to Donovan and all of those crazy lunatics back in World War II. But here is an interesting quote that Hirsch allows us to be privy to. The CIA works for the crown, not the Constitution. Now, you could take that in a couple of ways. You could take it the figurative way, meaning the CIA works directly for the President of the United States and enacts his or her wishes as they see fit, right? Or you could take it the way that I kind of would lean toward, and when they say they are beholden to the crown, not the Constitution, I would look in the direction of England, because we all know that England is the silent instigator behind a lot of the world's problems. I'm sorry to tell you, fish and chips ain't worth it. Spotted dick probably sucks. I've never tried it. 
and bangers and mash, no thank you. I mean, English music, we've got a different story here. But as far as how good and uh, uh, and benevolent the English are, no, I don't think so, especially the crown. So I would suspect that the C, that statement is really meant to say that, uh, yeah, we may have been working for somebody else and enacting their wishes through the president of the United States. Now you know a little bit of how all of this works. Anyway, several of those involved in planning were dismayed. And this was even worse because Biden, remember all this? Biden and Newland, they were out there saying one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not go online. And this source told Seymour Hersh it was like putting an atomic bomb on the ground in Tokyo and telling the Japanese that we were going to detonate it. The plan was for the options to be executed post-invasion and not advertised publicly. Biden simply didn't get it or ignored it. That is the key point here. They already knew that the explosives were planted on these pipelines as they were making these threats. This is an act of war. I'm sorry to tell everybody out there that thinks, oh, yes, we need to uphold the freedom of a poor country like Ukraine. No, 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 no. I brought this up many times. Countless Nazis are in the Ukraine. You look at the unit emblems of all the military units in the Ukraine. They're all from SS patches during the World War II with Germany. So please, even the emblem itself of the Ukraine, you know, the, it look, kind of looks like an anchor. I mean, that's an old German unit insignia. I mean, so please do not tell me that's the case, okay? And so being that that is an act of war, things are probably going to get very dicey, especially now that Seymour Hersh has spilled the beans. But how are they going to do it? We find out that the Norwegian Navy was going to help the Americans, and they were going to do it by masking the operation under something called Baltic Operations 22 or Balt Ops 22. Basically, it was an exercise within uh, NATO boundaries with NATO countries involved, America, Sweden, Denmark, and so on and so forth. And in this operation, they said, oh, we're going to study how we can use underwater technology to find and destroy undersea mines. Oh, gosh, wouldn't you think it's going to occur right off the most shallowest points of Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, which is at about 260 feet of water. It is considered deep sea for divers, um, but, you know, I, even I dove uh, 70 feet, 100 feet. Um, but 260 feet is pretty pretty deep, so they were going to do it. And basically how they did it was by planting C4 to the pipelines, and they had concrete coverings that would go over the C4 so that it wouldn't be damaged. And originally, they had intended to blow these pipelines up two days after the conclusion of Balt Ops 22, 
And, well, it would have been very obvious, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, oh, Bolt Ops too. And they were studying on how to clear mines. Oh, good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom, the whole thing goes up. Yeah, okay. Not too obvious. And Biden started to have second guesses. And basically what they wanted to do was have the ability to blow the C4 and blow up the pipelines at any time they wanted. So they configured a way to have a trigger device on the C4 itself so that once this triggering device uh, was in receipt of a certain frequency and tone at certain intervals, it would detonate. And that's how the whole thing occurred. What happened was, remember, it, I brought this up a long time ago uh, when this first started to happen. Uh, Monkey Works reported that there was a P-8 Orion, which is a naval surveillance aircraft. I mean, basically, this thing could hear whether or not a subcaptain has indigestion 500 feet below the uh, below the surface uh, through the thermocline. And these things are very, very, very uh, tricked out for surveillance. But this plane, reported by Monkey Works, this P-8 Orion, flew, right— it flew right over the area and then flew straight out. And the original conclusion of Monkey Works is that this plane went to uh, Iceland. Now, why would a P-8 surveillance plane, which basically all of NATO uses, go from Iceland over to Denmark and then back to Iceland? Don't they have a closer P-8? Don't Doesn't that flight paths seem a little odd to anybody. I mean, you can literally use one from Norway or England and get the same result. Anyway, a Norwegian Navy P-8 surveillance plane dropped what they called a sonobuoy, a sonar buoy, uh, which basically is used for sub-hunting. What it does is you've got active and passive sonar. Active sonar is what you see in the movies. We hear ping, and then all of a sudden, the reverberations of the water brings back to the sonar operator what is in front of them, around them, so on and so forth. And passive sonar is basically listening through a stethoscope, and you're wondering what that noise was, right? So that's the two differences between active and passive sonar. So this sonar buoy was dropped into the water, and all of a sudden it went active. So it was pinging at a certain frequency, at a certain tone, at certain intervals, that gave the signal to the C4 that was planted on Nord Stream 1 and 2 to detonate. And lo and behold, on September 26th of 2022, that's exactly what happened. And all of the countries that were supposedly investigating this won't allow Russia to contribute to that investigation, won't reveal to the world any of their findings, and now we know why. Because the investigators are complicit in the crime that they are investigating. That's what sums it up. The bigger problem with all of these kinds of events, especially with Seymour Hersh now revealing all of this, basically validating what I said, is that now you've got a clear trigger to expand the conflict that's been going on in the Ukraine to a more global scale because Russia now has 
a lot of evidence that the United States and NATO ain't playing fair, blowing up Nord Stream pipelines, installing biolabs across the planet. Think about this. Biolabs researching, quote-unquote, biological and chemical weapons on the border of Russia throughout the Ukraine, and the president's son is making money off of those biolabs and was paid handsomely to set those things up. There was another report that came out from Clandestine on Twitter. Very, very interesting Twitter account. I, I suggest you go follow him or her, whatever it is. Uh, they revealed that there were over 1,200 biolabs on Taiwan. Now, isn't that something? Now we kind of know why China is so up in arms about why Taiwan needs to be brought back into the yoke of China. Now we know why Nancy Pelosi went over there, and I made this suggestion. She went over to Taiwan to tell everybody to get all the crap out of here, secure it, make sure we've got a bug-out bag, and we can get out everything that we've put in at a moment's notice. And now we know why. There are 1,200 biolabs. Why would NATO and the United States put those kinds of biolabs on the borders of their suspected enemies? Well, I'll tell you. It has to do with DNA and genetic makeup. Ukrainians share a similar genetic stock to Russians. Taiwanese share a similar genetic stock to Chinese, if you are able to experiment on those types of DNA samples, then you've got a very, very good idea on what kind of biological and chemical weapons you can use on your opponents because they share similar genetic stock. You're talking about war criminals. That's what you're talking about. And we're living <laughs> in the nations committing the war crimes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, what a time to be alive. So my prediction is that maybe not in the United States, but somewhere across the planet, there will be some kind of reciprocity coming from the Russians. I think, um, I think these balloons that China may or may not have been uh, wafting over there— um, I think if you do some research, they have researched and developed on how to put hypersonic missiles on these balloons. And hypersonic missiles, basically, nobody has a defense for them. They go too fast, uh, and they, they move too quickly doing certain types of maneuvers that no air defense system could really stop it. Uh, unless you're talking about some kind of EMP or whatever. But either way, um, the point is, is that... If that's true, then China could have sent a warning sign like, hey, look, we want you to find out what this is doing across the United States because it may not be an EMP, but we've got you covered with hypersonic missiles. And it doesn't have to be nuclear. It doesn't have to be uh, biological or, chem or chemical. It could literally be just explosives, and you can't do anything about it. And we can strike your country at a moment's notice at any time, anywhere. I think that's what the real backstory behind this whole balloon thing is all about. But anyway, that's going to be it for me. Another podcast rounds out the week on the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. And remember to be brilliant. Remember to be intelligent. Remember to be lovable fuzzballs that I all know that you are because we're gliding into the weekend 
and the temps are going to get better and better and better. And before you know it, it is going to be springtime. And that's when it is our time to shine. As always, this is Chris Michaels.